Welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Jody Fisher. This is the podcast for all dads who want to succeed with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. And here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey, Jody. How you doing today? Hello, Paul. How are you? I'm doing well. Fantastic. Uh, we're in... Yeah, I don't know what week we're in in terms of coronavirus, but I did have an interesting piece of mail come this week to me. Um, open the envelope, and it's a reminder for a mortgage protection card. And it has my mortgage amount of three seventy-five, three hundred seventy-five thousand, and it's a notice of offering mortgage payoff program in the case of my death or whatever. And I'm like, man, that is just ironic. They just don't know me. They're a little late. I think me. they're a little late. Yeah, sending uh, hold, that to you. Yeah, hold on a sec. Hold on. Be quiet. Shh, shh. I'm tossing that in the garbage. <laughs> so I think that uh, it was just kind of an interesting. I know it's a bulk mailer. It's just funny how they had an amount of 375000 in it. And I think if I listen. Was that number I, anywhere near accurate at any point in your mortgage history? Well, it must have been, right? But I, I can't remember. <laughs> I've had several mortgages over the years, and, and I don't know where they pulled that number from. So at some point, yes, the number probably was at 375 for you know, a brief moment. Uh, spin the wheel, three seventy five. Why not? Yeah, and, and but it was just so funny. So I just thought I would start with that. But um, stuff. yeah, yeah, I'm on video. I'll do the video this week. But you got, I got to warn you, my hair is getting taller, and um, I did score a set of clippers, uh, hair clippers. So I don't know. Maybe the next episode, I might have my own self haircut. I'm not sure yet. So oh, next week we'll do a Facebook live where you buzz your head. <laughs> that would be funny. Let's do that. <laughs> We're going to put more pressure on my poor wife as she's trying to help me cut my hair, I think. I think I might pass on that, uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but but a good week nonetheless. Um, you know, just uh, normal work, uh, kids, everyone's trying to cope with everything going on. Um, and how about your week, Jody? How was it? Yeah, we had, a, we had a good week. I've got a special visitor here in the garage. Uh, hold on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, boy. Juliet, you want to say hello? Say hello with the microphone. Hi. Hi, hon. How you doing? She doesn't have headphones on, so she can't hear you right now. But uh, well, tell her I said how, hello. How have you been enjoying uh, uh, coronavirus lockdown, Juliet? Good. Good, yeah. <laughs> no school, and we got the word this week in New York that there's no school through the end of the year, right? But we've been doing our Google Classroom stuff, and we've been having a lot of fun, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect, perfect. So today's topic is uh, credit card payment strategies. How to pay down your credit card debt and free yourself for your financial future. But first, let's talk about some news we saw this week. The first story uh, is from The Motley Fool, and it's, uh, the headline is, This is the most important factor in personal finance. You can't get rich without making daily decisions that aren't immediately satisfying. So this was an interesting read, and I'll just kind of shout out the uh, the sub-headlines sub within the story, right? And it's everything we've talked about, Jody. Uh, since we started this podcast it's it's around willpower to budget willpower to spend less willpower to save and invest and put off instant gratification um, so i think in one way shape or form all of our podcasts touch upon these and we always talk about kind of that discipline uh willpower these are kind of key buzzwords that i know we've used maybe we haven't used willpower as much i know we've talked discipline we did touch upon instant gratification, but willpower is an interesting one. Uh, I guess it does tie to the self-discipline. Jody, what was your take on this story? 
Great story and great word, willpower, right? You've got to have it. I mean, in my mind, you can go back and forth between willpower and discipline, kind of the same thing. Um, you've you've got to do this. And they note in this article that that willpower um, is backed up by the written budget, by the plan. Um, and then the willpower is the is the discipline to execute that plan. If you create a plan and execute that plan, you will get where that plan points you to. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I think we'll jump to the second article. And it's from Gallup.com. The headline is U.S. Personal Finances, Future More Concerning Than Present. Uh, story highlights include 49% rate their current finances positively, down from 56% last year. Record high, 50% believe their financial situation is getting worse and younger adults more affected by recent economic downturn. So this is a recent Gallup poll that was taken during uh, coronavirus and, and we're experiencing it now and I think we're gonna experiencing it, can keep experiencing it for a little while longer. Jody, what was your take on this story? Yeah, good story here. Uh, and interesting that you picked this one and um, the Motley Fool article because it, they're sort of counterbalancing to each other in my mind. You know, on the one hand, you've got the, the article about the willpower to budget uh, and plan and execute something to keep yourself financially healthy. On the other hand, you've got this survey that was conducted, the article says, April 1 to 14, so very recently, um, basically showing that a lot of people, and especially younger people, are pessimistic about their financial future. Um, side note here, it is a Gallup poll. Gallup is a, is a, a trusted organization. Um, but I always wonder when I, when I hear about polls, um, who, you gotta, you got to understand that there are people who are taking these polls. When was the last time you picked up your phone and someone said, I'd like you to take a poll, and you didn't say thanks, no thanks? <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I barely pick up the so phone I, in my so house. So I just wonder about the pool of people who are taking this this poll. That said, you know, I'm not going to throw cold water on Gallup because they're a good organization. Um, uh, yeah, interesting t statistics here. And if you're a numbers nerd uh, like I am, you'll dive into this and, and find some really interesting stats here. Um, you know, I think this is kind of canary in the coal mine here, too. There's always a degree of people, I think, in the country who are who are pessimistic about their financial future. And that's why I say it's an interesting bookend or counterbalance to the other article, Paul, about the having willpower to plan and execute your future. Um, because if you plan and execute your future, you won't end up, I don't think, in this group of people who are pessimistic about their financial future. You'll have at least uh, a good handle on what is coming for you. And so then you can go on and, Im and improve that financial future. Yeah, I, I agree. And one thing to note in, 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 the, in the age ranges, 18 to 29, there was a 13% change. So um, in, in the direction of negativity, where, where people in that age group feel that uh, things are, are getting worse and, you know, by a big factor of 13%, probably one of the biggest swings in here. Um, and that makes sense to me. It resonates with me because I remember when in my 20s, um, I, I was living paycheck to paycheck. And there's a whole episode that you could listen back to where I paid myself first and I started doing that in my late 20s. But that's when I started getting control over my financial life um, was, was during that time period. But before that, I was just living paycheck to paycheck. And if this type of pandemic happened during that time frame, I think I would have been in that pessimistic boat too. Um, I probably would have been living with my buddy and all of a sudden my income dropped for some reason because of the pandemic maybe. Um, it would have been an interesting dynamic 
to see how that all would have uh, come together. So um, interestingly enough, another key stat in here, it looks like the biggest percentage drop is in the middle. Um, 40,000 to, 40, to 99,000 seems to be where the other big swing is. And I guess that's the, the middle America, the annual household income. What did you think about those stats, Jody? I, don't, I know we talked a little bit before the podcast about these, but any other stats that jumped out at you that you wanted to point out? Yeah, there are a ton of them in here. Uh, and you pointed out to me the most interesting ones, Paul. Um, you know, it, it, scrolling down to the bottom of the article where it talks about the implications uh, and it, it, it sort of summarizes the article. It says that many, many more believe their financial situation is getting worse, even if the effects of the slowdown haven't fully hit their bank accounts yet. And that's what's been on my mind lately is um, when people talk about this being a long, slow road back to wherever we're going to get back to, um, that's going to include finances. And it's all the more reason to have a written budget in place for your household um, as we march through the rest of this calendar year, because I personally believe that um, this is this is going to take at least through the rest of this calendar year. And I by that, I mean, you know, December 31 um, here in New York schools, uh, schools are shut down. I think I've, as we've talked about off mic before, that means that um, people are going to have a harder time going back to work because school is in addition to being school, it's also default child care. If you don't have childcare, you really can't get back to work. And so all this stuff starts to fall like dominoes. Um, having a written game plan in place is the most important thing you can do for your home finances right now because it will show you where you're going. It will point out the landmines. Um, and if you've done things right, it will also give you peace of mind to say, okay, we're going to be here, but we're not going you know, to go off the cliff. And if you're going to go off the cliff, you'll know it, and then you can start to plan for it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Jody, and thanks for those tips and pointing those out. I think that's important, important takeaway. So if you're part of that group that is very negative or you see things happening in a negative fashion, please embrace what we, what Jody had just mentioned and, and write it down. Start taking control of it. Get the willpower that you uh, that we cited in the first article and, and turn around your financial situation. It, it's a tough, it's easier said than done, but once you do it, um, I think you'll be in a much better boat. So, I mean, um, we're yeah, you're right, Paul. We're we're, we're here because we've done it, and that's the mm -hmm. reason we do this every week. Is not to say, hey, look what geniuses we are, but to say, hey, look how here's the experiences we've had, here's the mistakes that we've made, um, and we're going to talk about those mistakes in our in the main section of the podcast today. Here's the mistakes that we've made. Take these and digest them for yourself. Apply them to your own situation, um, and then try to learn from them. Um, you know, we, we don't come on here every week saying, look how great we are. We're saying, look how stupid we were. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Very true. Well, well, speaking of stupidity, now we're on to our weekly topic. What a credit, segue. Uh, credit card payment strategies, how to pay down your credit card debt and free yourself for your financial future. Now, we talked about paying down debt in previous podcasts, but we thought that given the time period we're in with coronavirus and people will be leaning on credit cards more potentially. We thought we'd talk about this and, and really pinpoint the strategies that are specific to paying down credit card debt. You could use these strategies for other types of debt, but really the focus this week is on credit card debt. So my current situation is I haven't had this issue 
for a very, very long time, maybe three or four varies in there. Um, I battled my credit card debt way back in the 90s. Um, it was like pleated pants and uh, you know, I don't know what other trends were going on, but uh, I battled my credit bomber card jackets. debt. Don't forget the bomber jackets. That's right, bomber jackets, right? There I probably go. put my bomber jacket and my pleated pants on a credit card. And I battled that credit card debt uh, and I remember it being about six thousand dollars that was drowning me. Uh, you know, it was—it's the income to debt ratio at the time. So I had the six thousand dollars hanging over my head. I, the party was over. I owed six thousand dollars. I started getting a couple of late notices, and it just lingered for months. And you—you you go through this whole despair, and you're trying to figure out what to do. So finally, I started to attack it, and I remember taking my meager three thousand dollars in savings. And just taking a deep breath and sending it to the, the whole thing to the credit card company. I, I believe I was living at home at the time. And uh, so I didn't need it. But it was it was definitely very daunting because I took my entire life savings of $3,000 and I gave it to the credit card company. Right. So for me, um, after I did that, I never wanted to go back to that place again. It was sort of like analogous to when I quit smoking. I quit smoking July 97. That was my, uh, I had my last cigarette in July 97. And I remember the subsequent weeks and months, it was so hard to quit. I never wanted to go back and go through that quitting process again. And I equate my credit card debt payoff to that same thing. So as I've said before, I use credit cards very succinctly. And I use them, um, like I said in previous episode, a credit card to me is like a chainsaw. And for some, it's a helpful tool, and for others, it becomes a health hazard. So that's the way I look at it. Um, I do have, I do know people who have been through this yo-yo cycle of debt, and it's similar to weight loss, where they will run up the credit cards and then pay it off with various sources, some good or some bad, inheritances, home equity lines, etc. And then the cycle doesn't seem to stop for them. And I feel bad because they haven't been able to get the willpower. Uh, and and the and the and the forethought to to kind of sit down and tackle the root cause of why am I doing this and why am I yo-yoing with uh, debt similar to like yo-yoing with weight where you lose a lot of weight and then you let go you your weight flies back up and then you then you come and uh, reduce your weight again and it just like a yo-yo back and forth back and forth so Jody what's your current situation when it comes to uh, credit card debt. Yeah, that's a great story, Paul. And and mine is is somewhat similar, minus the smoking analogy. Um, but we have no credit card debt currently. But oh boy, did we ever wrestle with credit card debt over the years? And you know, you get started. Everyone gets started in the same way. Somewhere between high school and college, I think, uh, is is where I had my first credit card. Um, boy, it's it's fun, you know. And when you're starting out, it's fun to buy this thing or that thing, and then. You know, at some point you probably make a purchase that's got a comma in it, and it's like, wow, this is pretty cool. I can buy stuff. Um, that is the insidious and pay later. nature, and I can pay oh, it later. I can have that it now. Is the insidious nature of credit cards, instant gratification, Paul. You're right. It starts with a charge or two. Maybe it even feels manageable, and then suddenly you get hit with that bill, like you talked about. And I've been hit with bills just like that, and it's a giant balance. It's that oh shit moment. <laughs> You're like, whoa, I don't have anywhere near this amount of money. Um, and maybe if you're completely disorganized, you have no idea how you're even going to pay it off. You don't even know how to start to pay it off. Um, 
you know, and then and then even even uh, for for more convenience, the credit card company puts that little number down there that says monthly payment or uh, sometimes they they put put in a, a line that says if you pay off this much every month, you'll be paid off in this number of months. Um, and that's a BS number, too, because that interest rate is just going to go up, up, up in the background um, as you as you pay that. Um, credit cards, I've said this before, are evil. They're the quickest way to get into financial trouble. Um, and so for me to get out, I used all kinds of ways to try to get out of credit card debt. I started with the straight pay down, which never seemed to work because the interest always builds up. Um, and if you if you looked at a, an amortization graph on a credit card, um, you, you, your jaw would hit the floor. Um, I consolidated at one point, I had so much credit card debt that I consolidated under a HELOC <laughs> that we had, uh, a home equity loan, just nuts. I mean, to think about the concept of putting a bunch of credit card charges for stuff that you can't even look around your house and figure out what you bought with a credit card and then putting that on a mortgage. Um, that's nuts because now your house is tied up in paying down a credit card purchase. It's crazy. Um, I did also consolidate under a 0% card, um, which was I still found challenging to pay off. Um, I finally got rid of our gigantic credit card debt a few years ago. Um, I actually um, was talking to our financial professional, and, and what we did was we took out a loan against the 401k, which sounds nuts, but there was no penalty against it. But we took out a loan against the 401k and had it automatically withdrawn from my checking account every month. So this was like forced debt pay down. Um, it was painful, um, but we got it done. I think it took about two and a half years, but finally got it done. Um, and the credit card debt is gone. We have zero balances on, on the one credit card that we maintain. Um, and we use that credit card, like I've said in the past, we do use it, but we use it for large one-off purchases um, where we also have the money in the bank to use the credit card. So it's more like, a, more like an insurance plan. It doesn't mess with the, with the weekly cash budget where we're paying bills and setting aside savings and doing all that other stuff. We execute the charge on the credit card we get the item home, we make sure that there's no problems with it, we don't have to return it or whatever else, and then we turn around, as soon as that charge posts to the credit card, bang, it gets paid off. Um, credit cards are terrible, they're, they're evil, they're the worst way you can manage um, um, manage purchases. And, and I understand how you do it, Paul, too, with your household. Uh, there's a plan behind that. Uh, and what we're talking about specifically here is willy-nilly purchasing on credit cards bad idea don't do it yep and i think uh i said this on last i tempered the evil comment with i i really do think that there are good in credit cards all the things you talked about with warranty on purchase um all these different things but i i do use the analogy that i'm going to use it as a chainsaw um, i'm going to treat it like a chainsaw uh, a chainsaw in a, in a horror movie is evil a chainsaw in a skilled logger's hand and he uses that chainsaw for a living it's a good thing, right? So not so evil. So I think that the credit cards are not necessarily evil. I think it depends on their purpose. They could be used for evil purposes. They could be used for good purposes. And I think that's my my view on them. I think the interesting thing you pointed out, which I never thought about before, Jody, was the 401k strategy. And for, for many years, 
um, we, we talked about or the, the mantra has been do not borrow from your 401k. But this might be an interesting forced mechanism that might be ideal to pay off credit card debt. And it was interesting. How did you come across coming up with that uh, way of doing that, Jody? Was that just Again, something? Yeah, it was a recommendation from our financial advisor. And, um, you know, uh, maybe people out there are jumping up out of their seats going, oh, he's a terrible financial advisor. Um, but he gave us a strategy to get out of that and to get out of it as quickly as possible. And I think we put in that loan, I think it was a combination of credit cards. It might have even been like a car purchase at well, like a car you know, buyout at one point. It was a significant amount of money. It wasn't just a couple thousand dollars. Um, and like I said, it took about two and a half years to get out of it. But that was his idea. Um, and it, it worked in our written budget. And the only reason I did it, uh, and we got to call this out, Paul. The only reason I did it is because I took that monthly number and I shoved it into my budget spreadsheet. Uh, and I saw the monthly payment alongside all of our all of our monthly bills um, and looked at it and and kept the balance in the checking account black and kept everything afloat. I would not have done it. And I don't recommend doing anything like this if that payment isn't going to fit into the rest of your written budget. Um and that's the only reason that it worked is because one, it it fit into the budget, and two, it was kind of this forced payment, and I knew exactly when the loan would pay off, um, and it paid off, you know, right to the month. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I think the strategy worked for you. Once again, we talk about personal finance being personal. Uh, you had a great advisor that sat with you, laid out the options. This option was palatable, and it worked. Right, the proof is in the pudding. It worked. So. Uh, congrats and we haven't gone that. back, and that's the other important part too. We haven't gone back. We we haven't gone back to spending on credit cards or buying things that we don't have the cash for. And that's really goes back to that Motley Fool article too. You know, that's it's the planning and the execution. You've got to commit to a spending plan that works for you. Absolutely, absolutely. Well said. Well said. Um, I think we'll go to the discussion topics, and right now they're timely because using credit cards during this coronavirus pandemic might be up. I believe it is up. I, we probably should pull a story on that, but I believe that credit card usage is up. People have to use them to survive. Um, and that's why we're kind of talking about this, because once you get to a point where you have to pay those credit cards back, and if you get underwater with them, you're going to have to use some of these strategies that we're going to talk about today. And really, Jody, I think there's you know a handful of strategies that we'll focus on, because I think those are the ones that are the most prevalent and the ones that are most out there. Um, two are pretty decent and one is really bad. So we'll talk about, we'll start with one decent one first and that's debt surfing and consolidation strategies. And to me, this is taking debt. If you have three or four different credit cards, you find a 0% credit card or a credit card with very low interest and you surf all that debt to that one credit card at that lower interest rate. Now, one of the things I want to point out on this type of method, there's always kind of a gotcha. And that gotcha could be that if you're at a 0% payment, there are certain clauses in those 0% credit card offers that if you miss a payment, your interest could go as high as you know 20 plus percent retroactive from the beginning of you taking that credit card. And it's kind of done in, in you know, since, since the beginning and you're hit with all those Cost. So even if the 
lateness is not due to you. Let's say you pay it on time, but your bank transfers the money too late to the credit card company. Um, that could happen. That happened to me, and I talked about that many podcasts ago, where I cut the credit card up on the phone with the with the uh, credit card company because I they just were not cooperative at all. I had diligently paid it on time, and my bank to the credit card company, that's where the transaction fell apart. I was late by a day, and I got hit with a $25 fee uh, for being late, and, and that's when I stopped using that credit card company. It didn't wean me off of credit cards completely, as everyone knows who's been listening to the podcast, but uh, for that particular credit card company, I just kind of uh, stayed away and and I don't I still get offers from them which is funny I still get regular mailings from that credit card company. They'll take your money. They'll still yeah, they, take your yeah money. there's no problem. There's no shame in their game. They will they have no problem coming back to me <laughs> saying hey we're loaning you some more money. Um, but but I think that debt surfing and consolidation can be a really good strategy. Um, you do have to watch it and you have to be very proactive to get those payments in early. Jody, what's your take when it comes to debt surfing and consolidation strategies? I know you did it with the 401k, but what's your overall take when it comes to the methodology that we just talked about? Yeah, you all those points well taken. You hit it on the head, Paul. You know, it, the key to taking advantage of any of these, whether it's a 0% credit card or whether it's taking out a consolidation loan, whatever you're doing, read the fine print. Make sure you're adhering to the payoff schedule and know what happens if you bungle the plan. Um, if you because because you said it right, if if you miss a payment or if somehow you don't pay the balance off in the amount of time that the offer is there for, you know, and typically these zero percent credit cards will run anywhere between 12 and 24 months, um, you'll hit you'll get hit with interest, enormous interest retroactively back to the starting balance. And that can, in some cases, double the balance. Um, really, really scary. So uh, if you're going to do all this stuff, just make sure you do it with a plan and stick to the plan. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the next topic we're going to touch upon is debt consolidators. And, and the overarching theme here is to try to stay away. And let me set the scene for you. If you have a pile of credit card debt, and you're nervous about paying this debt back and you're watching late night TV, you'll see a commercial. If you found yourself deep in credit card debt, you're not alone. Millions of others just like you are in a similar predicament. Our expert advisors are available to walk with you through every step of your journey to financial freedom. There's no better time than the present to consolidate your high interest credit card balances into one manageable monthly payment. Um, the reality from most of these debt consolidators is that it's all about paying them a fee up front so you pay them and they don't provide a nickel to your creditors uh, till they get paid first and in the meanwhile your credit is going down and down and down because you're not sending any payments to your debtors right to your creditors I should say um, and then once you pay the debt consolidator off with their fee they start paying these credit card debts and such and they'll call them up and say, hey, you know, we haven't paid in a few months, so will you take, instead of $2,000, we'll give you $500. And, and they'll start working and negotiating um, the, the, because they, they know you're a deadbeat in terms of your credit. So the debt companies have no, the credit card companies have no, um, no other option than to take these offers. And meanwhile, at the end of the process, you've overpaid a lot of money to a company to do something you could have done yourself. Um, 
And Jody, I don't know what your take is or what your familiarity with debt consolidators is, but that's my take on it from what I've heard. And I've had people that I know who have who have fell for it. They have gone to these get debt consolidators and they didn't they didn't realize until they're about two thousand dollars in that their debts are not being paid at all up front. And it, and it's pretty sad because for some reason the debt consolidators do a really good job of masking their process behind the scenes. Uh, so Jody, what's your take when it comes to debt consolidators? And like I said, my whole take is stay away. But what's your take when it comes to debt consolidators? I've never worked with any, but I'm uh, comfortable with the statement that these guys are scum. <laughs> They're the same guys who sit around and write the Nigerian prince uh, wants to give you $20 million emails, just send me your bank routing number. Um, these, these guys are scam artists. Um, they... They'll, they'll take your money like you described, Paul. They'll take your money. They'll put it in their pocket, uh, and they will not pay your bills. You can do this yourself. You just got to get off, off, your, off your butt and do it. Um, don't trust somebody else to pay your bills for you. And, and frankly, that strikes me as incredibly lazy. Uh, why am I going to pay somebody else to do something that I can do myself? Um, at least, you know, some, something, something as simple as that, right? I mean, it's sitting down at your computer – uh, you know, or it's sitting down with your checkbook and just doing a little bit of math and writing a check or, or, or paying a bill. Why pay somebody else to pay your bills for you? Just get it done yourself. Yeah, I think it comes down to the fear of confrontation. And people like to put their head in the sand so that they like the option of a, of a debt consolidator. People that are, I think, in that boat of turning to a debt consolidator have overwhelming credit card debt and overwhelming I'm going to use the number $40,000, right? That might be underwhelming for some. It might be super overwhelming for others. But let's use the number of uh, $40,000. If you're in that much debt and you make $20,000 a year, wow, you are underwater, right? Using that scenario. You see that commercial and, you know, maybe the debt, maybe the credit card companies have already started calling you because you're already a little bit late with your payments. You can't afford to pay the whole amount and all these different things. So you just sort of fall into the trap of fear of confrontation. You know what? I'm just going to defer to this company. They're going to take care of it for me. Everything's going to be okay. They say so in the commercial. Everything's going to be okay. We're going to take care of this for you, right? So I agree with you, Jody, um, that there is a bit of laziness that comes into play, but I think fear also comes into play as well when it comes to I buy to that. Debt I buy that too. Yeah, and and I buy that too, Paul. And and um and and I don't want to sound heartless. You know, I do feel for people who find themselves in this position of owing tens of thousands of dollars on credit cards, and they can't identify the things that they that they bought. It's just this gigantic number, and and they're sort of at their wits' end. What you need to re recognize in that situation, what you need to remember is that you are still in charge of your money. Even if credit cards companies are calling you and they're making all kinds of threats and everything, the bottom line is you're still in charge with your money, uh, of your money. And if you haven't given anybody your bank routing number uh, to automatically pay off your credit card every month, they can't reach in and take that money out um, and, and go in and read the fine print of your credit card statements um, and your credit card agreements and, and you'll, you'll get reassurance on that. Um, but, but here's the, here's the thing that I always try to remember is whenever I'm negotiating with somebody, I always try to remember that I am in charge and I am fully capable of walking away. Um, they can't force me to do something that I don't want to do. So always remember when you're negotiating with these people that you are in charge, 
you can set the schedule. Uh, and, and that takes you, you know, giving yourself a little shot in the arm sometimes. Um, but just, just get yourself a plan, go into it with a plan, tell them, you know, here's what I'm going to offer you. Will you take this? Or, uh, here's what I can pay you over the next 12 months. Will you take this? Um, call up and ask them that question, but don't getting back to the topic that we're talking about with debt consolidators. Don't depend on someone else to do this for you. Do it yourself. Yeah, no, it's all, all great terms. And I think for me, what comes out is what I begin to think about is at some point the tables turn and you go from having good credit, you have this overwhelming debt, you slip on the banana peel financially. And then I think it flips when your credit starts to get dinged. Once you miss a few payments and you know you're in trouble, it's kind of a downhill and the tables turn. Now you really become in the driver's seat. And I believe that honesty is the best policy. If you owe you know, $10,000 to the credit card company and all the things you said are true, never give your routing number, never give access to your checking, never give access to your savings. Um, you know, All those different things are important. But if you owe a big number to a credit card company and you literally already got dinged on your credit, you, you don't have enough money to pay them, you don't have enough money for the monthly payments, et cetera. When they call you, you can just calmly say, hey, you know, I owe you $10,000. I could pay you this over the next six months each month. Will you take this? Because that's really what I could give you at this time. I'm not going to not eat and I'm not going to not live in the street. Did I say all that right? Yeah, I'm not going to live in the street and I'm not going to stop eating. I'll say it that way in order to pay you at this point. You've already killed my credit. You've already reported me to the credit bureau, so I could pay you this much. Uh, can we can we work this out? And chances are they're not gonna work it out on that first call. So you say, okay, uh, we'll, we'll talk again soon. Have a nice day. And honesty is the best policy and you just kind of let it, let it continue. And at some point they'll negotiate with you. Um, hopefully you don't get into that boat, right? That's the key is you don't wanna be in that boat. Hopefully, that's really drastic when it starts to weigh on your financial life with, with your credit being dinged and all those different pieces. So, um, But if you have to, make sure you just remain calm. Don't get intimidated. Don't get bullied. And, and just make sure that you, honesty is the best policy and no access to your checking or savings. So I think those are all good points. And a lot of points that came away from the kind of the debt consolidator uh, conversation. So... I think I'll move to the we'll move to the next discussion topic, and that's the snowball method. And I think this is the most popular method for paying off debt, whether it's credit card or other debts. You take the credit card um, balances, smallest to largest, then you pay the smallest off, one off first, and then once that's paid off, you take the money you were paying for the small one, you tackle the next debt, that's the second smallest and the third, and you just kind of work your way up. And over time, you have this methodical plan to pay off your debt. Uh, using what they call the snowball method. Jody, what's your take when it comes to this method? Yeah, it's a, it's a terrific method. And it's based not on uh, mathematical uh, common sense, you know, uh, but, it, but it's based on an emotional reaction to accomplishing something. And I heard uh, a terrific analogy with the snowball method of paying down debt to um, starting a diet plan. Um, and, and, and what the analogy was is, if, if you were presented with a diet plan where you had to diet for three months and not lose any weight, but then in month four, you lost 30 pounds, would you do it? Would you stick with it? Probably not. You'd probably start it and then at some point fall off. And, that, and that's 
um, what they say about paying the, the highest interest balance credit card first. But if you pay the smallest balance first, let's say it's a couple hundred bucks, and you knock a credit card out, you go, oh, that's cool. That's the same as going on a diet and losing a couple of pounds the first week. You go, oh, this is cool. This this will work. Okay. And then you do another one, and it's like, oh, wow, this is really working. Then you go another week. It's like, hey, look at that. Look what I did. Um, you see that aggregate progress along the way, uh, and you have an emotional reaction to that 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 makes you want to stick with the plan. So snowball method is more emotion than it is math. Uh, and it really, really does work. But that requires you to sit down and do the math again. You can't just be be throwing out money every month on this credit card and that credit card. You gotta organize this stuff. And what they say snowball method, you know, list your debts, largest to smallest balance, pay the smallest balance first and walk your way up. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I think that is the the, the methodology that most financial personalities and advisors recommend when you're trying to tackle your debt. And, and so I know that I haven't had to use the snowball method, but I know people that have used it successfully and um, I think they've had very good results. So I think with that, we'll jump into the summary recap, right? And for me, I think the takeaways for this week is know oneself. If you're a person who can handle a credit card properly, that's great. If, if you are a person who cannot handle a credit card properly, you have to confront yourself. Uh, use a method. You use one of the methods that we talked about today, and get those credit cards out of your life. If you have yo-yoed with a credit card more than once, you probably are not someone who can handle the temptation of credit cards. So, for me, the bottom line is, like I said before, the credit card could be a useful tool or it could be a very harmful tool, depending on how you use it. And if you're somebody that can't use it the right way, you probably shouldn't be using it. So, get rid of the debt once and for all, and stay away from the credit cards. Jody, what's your take when it comes to the summary recap? Fully agree, Paul. Um, and your analogy to the chainsaw is really a good one. Um, don't use any kind of a tool, including a credit card, if you don't understand how to use it and if you don't understand how it can hurt you. Um, we've described ways that we actually do use credit cards, but we use credit cards with intention and with a plan. Um, you know, Some people may beat us up for using, you know, dispensing financial advice and then using credit cards. Um, we use credit cards with a plan. And, and that in, and the most important plan is the way we use it is how to pay it off. We make sure that we pay it off and we don't carry balances. I think that's where you start to get into trouble. So, Very cool. Very cool. Well, Jody, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Thanks everyone for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Jody reminding you, managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well and thank you. Thank you.